I have a great desire that as we preach the word this morning that this would be something that we all do together, uh, that the presence of God would fill this room and fill your hearts and that we would experience God uh, together uh, as we're in his word. The inspiration for this message actually came to me a few weeks ago uh, when Josh taught on Micah chapter 5 and that's where the Lord said, O little town of Bethlehem, uh, the Savior and ruler of Israel will come forth from you. And I was so impressed that God got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. They didn't live there. And he got them there at just the right time to fulfill his word. They didn't live there. They didn't want to go there. Mary was late in her pregnancy. But God used the decree of Caesar Augustus to get them to Bethlehem to fulfill that prophecy. And I was so impressed with the sovereign rule of God over the details of our lives that it just, it just overwhelmed me, it just encouraged me, it just encouraged, it caused me to praise him that God will get us where we need to be and when we need to be there. God will get you where you need to be, when you need to be. And God is ruling over, over our lives for good and to fulfill his plans. And I think all of us, at least at times, fight the lie that our lives are ran by chance and not by God. Everything that happens to us day after day seems so random, so odd, so coincidental that sometimes it feels like we are governed by happenstance rather than by God. But the Bible reveals to us a God who is in charge of the big story we call history and he is in charge of the little story we call our story or our lives. God is in charge of the story of your life and mine. The Bible teaches that God is sovereign. That means that God has power and authority over all things and over all people and over all events. When the church gathered under, during a time of persecution in Acts 4, they addressed God in their prayer as sovereign Lord. And then they worshiped, worshiped him in that prayer saying that even those who conspired against Jesus did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They had this deep trust in the wisdom of God to work his plan in the details of human history. And God uses that power, he uses his power to work for the good of his people. And that is sometimes called his providence or God's providence. And we experience God's sovereign providence every single day of our lives, all day long. This is not merely the impersonal, positive thinking that all things happen for a reason. I heard that on Hallmark Channel last night, and it ticked me off. This is knowing that God himself, the personal living God himself, 
actively brings things to pass for our benefit, our safety, and our good, even in the things that we call trouble or evil. Romans 28 says this best, and we know that God causes all things to work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is sovereign all the time over all events and over all people, but God exercises his providence or his sovereignty in a special way for his children, and that we call his providence or his sovereign providence, that he works good. He uses, he uses that power, his almighty power, to work good for us. A Puritan named Joseph Flavel wrote, wrote a book on divine providence, which I have and I loved, and it's, it's highlighted all the way through it. He wrote it in the 1600s, but he said, he said this, God has his hand upon all the concerns and interests of his saints. It is not that God has his hand on this or that, but he has his eye upon everything that relates to them throughout their lives from first to last. Not only the great and the more important, but the most minute and ordinary affairs of our lives are managed by him. That's just an expanded way of saying Romans 8.28. So when things look out of control, or it seems that evil or evil people have the upper hand, we have the absolute assurance that God is working his plans, his purposes for our good. We see these truths clearly from the Bible in story after story after story. And one of the great blessings that comes from Bible reading, and I would say especially Old Testament Bible reading, is to see the sovereignty of God and how he works and moves in people's lives and changes hearts and arranges circumstances. And it's just so awesome to see God doing that in history. But especially we see it in the events surrounding the birth of Christ. God put on a stunning display of sovereignty in the circumstances of Jesus' birth. Even the smallest details of his birth took place to fulfill the plan and promise of God. Things didn't just happen. God destined them. He made sure they happened just as he wanted. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, and if you read... Uh, the gospel stories, if you, if you read through, especially chap, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, as places in Luke, you're going to see that this was much of the theme in the stories that were told about Jesus' birth. It was, this happened to fulfill what God said. This, this, and this, all these details happened. And so we're going to look at a bunch of those this morning uh, just to nourish our hearts on this faith that God is a sovereign God. So I think I'm praying that three blessings will come to us from, from knowing this, from this message this morning. First, the way that God fulfilled his plans and his promises, the way that he filled his ancient promises to us in the birth of Christ will lead us to confidence in Jesus as our Savior and King. 
Fulfilled prophecies are a sign to us. They are evidences that Jesus was God coming to us. God does not ask us for a blind faith. He gives us plenty of reasons to believe. He gives us plenty of evidence to make us bold, confident Christians. Second, when we see God's power to direct the details of history and to carry out His plan of salvation for us through Jesus, it should cause us to worship Him and praise Him and glorify God. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that God planned to save us through Christ even before the foundation of the world. And he promised it for thousands of years ahead of time, all through the Old Testament scriptures. And then at the right time, it says, he sent Christ into the world. And so we glorify God as we see his plans fulfilled. Romans 11, the end of the chapter says, Oh, the depth of the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge. How unfathomable are his ways of doing things Everything comes from him and exists through him and everything is ultimately to him, meaning it is for his glory. All praise or all glory be to him forever and ever. Amen. And that should be our response when we, when we see God working in the details of history, moving people, changing hearts, governing in events to bring about our salvation through Jesus. And then the third thing, that uh, will, third blessing that I think will come to our lives from knowing this, God's sovereignty displayed at the birth of Jesus leads us to a deeper trust in God's providence with our own lives. And we need that. We see God's sovereign plan for Mary and Joseph and we believe he has a plan for us. We see God orchestrating the details of Christ's birth and we have confidence that he will direct the details of our life too. So, the first sovereign work of God that we're going to look at is the fulfillment of the ancient promise that Jesus would be the son of David. Uh, The coming Savior and King had to be the descendant of David. Or else everything that was said in the Old Testament would fall apart. The Bible would not be true. Jesus had to be the descendant of David. Over and over, God spoke through the Old Testament prophets that the coming Savior King would be the son of David. We sang about that this morning. The main purpose of Matthew chapter 1 is to show the fulfillment of that promise. And we didn't read it this morning, but Matthew begins, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. And then Matthew proves by genealogy that Joseph was the direct descendant of David and therefore Jesus Christ was the son of David. And it's no accident that when the angel spoke to Joseph, how did the angel address him? Joseph, son of David. Because that had to happen in order for Jesus to be the son of David. But all of this falls apart 
if Joseph and Mary do not meet and get married. So, so consider this amazing providence of God. God arranged that Mary was betrothed to a direct descendant of David. Out of all the hundreds of thousands of men in Israel, perhaps millions who were not descended from David, Mary found herself betrothed to a direct descendant of David. And although Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, he is regarded in Scripture and by God and by the angel of the Lord, he is regarded as the full legal father of Jesus. So Matthew traces that genealogy from David down to Joseph and then to Jesus as the son of David. And just think about, God ruled over all those marriages, all those children, generation after generation after generation for a thousand years from David to Joseph to make that happen. Joseph and Mary were not figuring this all out. God was. And you aren't figuring out your life God is. You're not writing the story of your life. God is. God is the one who brought Mary and Joseph together. A woman with child by the Holy Spirit and a man who is a direct descendant of David to fulfill this ancient prophecy. Isn't God wonderful? Josh has a sign in his office that says, or at least he did have, uh, says, God has a plan. That's it. That's, that's all there is in the sign. Just God has a plan. And I found that sign very encouraging. One day I walked into his office after I had heard some really disappointing news. And I read that sign, God has a plan. And it just so lifted my spirits just so deeply encouraged me. God has a plan. No matter what it seems like to us, no matter what happens, what we see or feel about the events going on around us, God has a plan. Then uh, Matthew tells us, um, after this genealogy, it says that Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And this, of course, is the miracle of, of the virgin birth or the miracle of the virgin Mary conceiving a baby, an amazing miracle, and probably the most important miracle in the Bible. But the miracle, interestingly enough, that Matthew emphasizes, or Matthew emphasized, was God's sovereign fulfillment of his word. He said, this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. He was referring to the prophet Isaiah, which was spoken 700 years earlier. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, God planned and promised this birth of Christ to a a virgin a long time ago. And then he worked that out. You know the story. The angel came to Mary and said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you're going to bear a son, the Savior of the world. God worked. He planned and purposed all these things. 
And then he works out the nitty-gritty details of Mary and Joseph's life at just the right time in human history to fulfill his word to the, le- to the letter. God chose Mary for this great honor. Uh, he came to her. It's a wonderful story. Uh, the angel appeared to her. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her and caused the supernatural conception of Jesus in her womb. God had a plan and he made a promise hundreds of years ago and he came and he fulfilled that plan. And in a similar way, God works with us. The Bible says that God chooses us. He calls us. The Holy Spirit overshadows us. And we bear fruit for God because of his choosing and appointing and working his supernatural power in us. Jesus said, I, I am the one who appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, just as he did with, with Mary. Romans 7, 4 says, we were joined to him or some commentators feel that the, the communication here is, is, is that of, of like marriage. We were joined to him who was raised from the dead, which of course is Jesus. We were joined to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. We are a part of God's plan. He joined us to Christ with the purpose that we would bear fruit for God. We we are part of God's sovereign plan. There's nothing random about your life. If you're a child of God, if you're his saint, he chose you, he purposed, he planned, he appointed you to bear fruit. God has a plan, and we are part of that. Now, for Mary to be with child from the Holy Spirit is a big blessing. And if you read the, what's called the Magnificat or the song, the praise of Mary, it's, it's a beautiful hymn of praise to God for that blessing. But from a human standpoint, this is a big problem, which is what Matthew emphasizes. Matthew said, this happened while Joseph and Mary were betrothed to be married, but were not joined in marriage. Uh, the betrothal in those days lasted several months or up to a year, and it was a commitment as unbreakable as marriage. But there was no sexual relationship during betrothal, and Joseph, being a righteous man, kept that purity in their relationship. So when Mary became pregnant, Joseph knew he was not the father. And he also knew that Mary's pregnancy would bring shame on them, and especially her and it says that he decided to divorce her and do it as quietly as possible to minimize the disgrace. Now, you know the end of the story. But put yourself in Joseph's place as he was agonizing through this situation. All he knew at that time was that the girl that he was engaged to was pregnant. And he had to assume, as far as he knew, it was by another man. Imagine his heartbreak, confusion, and disappointment. Imagine him trying to figure out what to do. What on earth am I 
to do, Joseph must have been thinking. He felt he, he could not proceed uh, with the marriage, uh, but yet because of his kindness, he had no desire to humiliate Mary. Uh, his heart, his mind were in turmoil, yet he was in God's sovereign plan right there in his life. He, he didn't know it, he didn't understand it, but he was in the middle of one of the most amazing aspects or details of God's plan in all of human history. And for reasons known only to God, often we are left in very perplexing circumstances and sometimes God lets us feel that for a season. And we cannot figure out how things could possibly be used for good or for God's glory. There may be things that you're going through right now that you just cannot understand or they seem confusing or disturbing or even just leave your heart in turmoil much as they surely did for Joseph. But then the Lord stepped in, of course, and assured Joseph all these things were part of God's plan and purpose. Uh, Verse 20, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call, shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew went on to say all this took place to fulfill the word of the Lord to the prophet. And Joseph's heart was, was put at rest by this assurance. He, he saw now that this was God's plan, that God was at work here. And even though it just seemed like such a nightmare of an experience for him um, and left him, his heart so troubled, yet God was at work. God had a plan. And Joseph's heart was, was put at rest by this assurance. And as we trust, as we really do trust, believe and trust that the things that are taking place for us and in our lives are under the sovereign, loving plan and purpose of God, that puts our heart at rest too. And I don't know how you can have rest without that. Then we move on to the actual birth of Jesus and I go back to what I, what I began with, the Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Everyone knew the Savior King of Israel would come out of Bethlehem. Uh, I find it interesting in Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, Herod assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Okay, these are the these are the 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 chief priests. Uh, A lot of these are people that that never even went on to 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 believe in Jesus. But at this point, um, they all said, or they 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 answered the chief priests. It says they they told Herod, or they answered Herod. In Bethlehem of Judea, where the Christ was to be born, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For so it is written by the prophet. So, if Jesus was the Savior and King of Israel, he had to be born in Bethlehem. But as, but as I said earlier, Mary and Joseph were not in Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth, not Bethlehem. They did not live in Bethlehem. They had no intention of going to Bethlehem. Mary was about to give birth. No one in her condition would travel the, that kind of distance over that, those kind of roads under most any circumstances. But again, God got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so Jesus could be born there. So the prophecy and plan of God would be fulfilled. God put Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem at just the right year, just the right month, just the right day, so that they would be there for the birth of Jesus. Not so that Jesus would be born on the way to Bethlehem, not so that Jesus would be born on the way back or after they got back from Bethlehem, but so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem to fulfill the word of the Lord. And Luke tells us exactly how God did this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, which is part of the scripture we read this morning. I'm going to read it again. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. God does things. God makes things happen. I love what Josh said this morning. He talked about how un unto us a child is born and how the government will be on his shoulders and he'd be called Prince of Peace, Wonderful, you know, Everlasting Father. And what did Josh end by saying? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The zeal of God will get his plans done. Caesar Augustus ruled Rome from 31 B.C. to 14 A.D. He was considered by many the most successful emperor of Rome. He was powerful. He was an ambitious leader uh, he basically rebuilt the city of Rome. It's, it is said that uh, he found Rome made of brick and he left it made of marble. And he issued a decree, again, at just the right time in history. Not a year earlier, not a year later, not a month earlier, not a month later. He issued a decree for everyone in the Roman world to re return to their hometown and register their names. He wanted to consolidate his power and control over the people and it was a way to impose and collect taxes to fund the Roman government and his grand and glorious building projects. Caesar Augustus is thinking power and taxes and building projects. He's not a godly person. Caesar Augustus has no notion 
that he is God's instrument. But he is. And God is orchestrating his sovereign plan for the birth of Jesus through this pagan ruler. Caesar thinks he is in charge, but he is merely carrying out the plans of God. This should give us great peace in the midst of all the upheaval in our world. Uh, No matter who is in power, no matter how selfish or evil their motives might be God, God will prevail. God's plans and purposes will prevail. They will not fail. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. We will not fear though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. The Lord Almighty is with us. He says to us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We need to have no fear about God's good plan not being fulfilled. God God will be exalted. He will be glorified among the nations and in the earth. Well, this trip to Bethlehem was approximately 90 miles. Uh, The road went south out of uh, Galilee, down along the Jordan River and west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem and on into Bethlehem. Uh, This was a rugged trip. There was a lot of up and down very hilly, perhaps even what you could consider mountainous terrain. Uh, an archaeologist who makes yearly trips to uh, Nazareth to do excavation estimated that Mary and Joseph traveled no more than 10 miles a day and maybe less due to Mary's pregnancy. So this was not an afternoon walk, uh, but it was a 9 or 10 day journey. The time of year that they travel, the temperature can be in the the 30s and it rains a lot. Travel for them was not by car or airplane, but of course, either walking or by donkey. Can you imagine, I'm sure the ladies in here can't, okay? But can you imagine how a woman, late in her pregnancy, might react to hearing the news that she had to make this kind of trip at the very end of her pregnancy. Or what about Joseph? How happy could he have been about this forced registration, the inconvenience of traveling, and having to take care of his pregnant wife and being concerned about her health and the, and the baby's safety? If you just put yourself in the story for even a little bit, you know that nothing would have seemed right or good or convenient about this. But this was God's plan. This was God working his sovereign plan for good, for his good, for his glory, and for Mary and Joseph's good. They were walking unknowingly. They were walking right into fulfilled prophecy they were right where God wanted wanted them to be at the very time God wanted them in Bethlehem right at the very end of Mary's pregnancy so Jesus could be born in Bethlehem so the ruler the king the savior of Israel would come forth out of Bethlehem God is awesome 
in the way that he so mysteriously and wonderfully orchestrates human history to fulfill his plans. And so again, I encourage you with this. God always has a way to get us where we need to be and when we need to be there. It may feel inconvenient. It may seem hard and we may not want to do it. Sometimes we don't know or don't like uh, the person or circumstances that, that seem to be imposing their will on us. But God is moving. God is working on us, fulfilling his plans and purposes for us even that we don't understand at the time. There's, there's, a, there's a song, I don't know if we've ever, ever sang it here at church, but you know, God is working, God is always working. Even though we don't uh, know just how, God is working, he's always working, even now. Then one more, if you'll bear with me. I just got so excited about this, this way, the way that God was working Matthew tells us how God sovereignly worked to fulfill the promise that Jesus would be called out of Egypt. Jesus was not in Egypt. Mary and Joseph had nothing to do with Egypt. They lived in Nazareth, up in Galilee. How in the world is this going to how is this going to be fulfilled? But Jesus, uh, Matthew tells us how God sovereignly worked to fulfill this promise that Jesus would be called out of Egypt. Jesus had to be in Egypt and come out of Egypt to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Hosea. And so Matthew tells us how this happened. And it started with the wickedness of Herod. I mean, it's, it, that's, it, it really started with an assassination plot. Herod viewed Jesus as a threat to his power and he was determined to kill him. And you know the story, I'm not going to go into all of, all of that about his effort to kill um, all, the, all the baby children so that he could wipe out Jesus. So Herod was a part of this story that placed Jesus in Egypt for the fulfillment of this prophecy. And God also used a dream. Matthew tells, uh, shares this whole story he says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he, uh, Joseph, rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt I called my son. So the angel and the dream were used by God, but God even used Herod's um, wicked plot to bring about the fulfillment of his plan. So I hope that you see this amazing and uh, way that God works that's often a mystery to us. And it's not that everything that happens or everything everybody does is good. It's that God has the power, the sovereign power to make even evil things that happen and evil things people do. He makes those things serve him and his purpose and his glory. 
So we make choices and those choices matter. Other people make choices and sometimes evil choices and those choices matter and yet nothing stops God. He fulfills his word and his plans. So all right, just in brief summary, the, the three things, again, I said that we are to learn from this. One, we should have greater boldness and assurance in our faith. I mean, God gave us a stunning display of his sovereign rule to confirm to our hearts and minds that Jesus is our Savior sent from God. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these ancient prophecies and words from God. Second, we should glorify God for his power to fulfill his word, to rule over people and events, to turn evil to good, and to fulfill his, his good plans. And then third, we are to trust more deeply that God orders our steps. And we're to have, we're to have an inner peace and confidence in that. We're to, we're to live with, uh, with a, a quiet confidence that God is ordering our, our footsteps. And if we belong to Christ, our steps are ordered by the Lord. Our steps are ordered by him for our good. No difficulty stops him. Uh, no accident ruins his plans for, for us. As Paul put it, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let's stand and close in prayer.